This episode of Trip Weddings is brought to you by FreshBooks, the super simple cloud accounting software that's giving thousands of freelancers and small businesses the tools to save time billing and get paid faster. Try it free at freshbooks.com weddings. This week on Twip Weddings, we're going to provide a rebuttal to a recent article that appeared on F-Stoppers that cited several reasons why a photographer didn't feel she could use a mirrorless camera when photographing a wedding. Are her points valid, or was the article just clickbait? And welcome back to another episode of Twip Weddings. Uh, my name is Bruce Clark, and once again, I am joined in the co-host chair by my fellow co-hosts, Mr. Robert Evans and Mr. Brian Caparici, coming into us today from sunny Florida. Hello, hello. Good, good day. Good day. Good morning. We're all, Robert and I are all in our, like, cold places, because Robert's got his toque on, if you're watching. Right. <laughs> a, a toque is a warm hat, if you're a non-Canadian, wondering <laughs> about right. that term. I didn't, I did not know what that is. Oh, really? Oh, what do you call it? Beanie. Cap, a beanie. Oh. Cap. Oh. Uh, we call it a toque up here, eh? Yep, yep. A toque. A toque. That's right, eh? <laughs> well, Brian does not need a toque where he is today. <laughs> no. Sunny Florida. It is beautiful. Holidaying or... Yes, yes, family vacation. We took two weeks up here, down in uh, just south of Tampa. So it's beautiful. We've had perfect weather and a bit, a bit of a working vacation. I've popped in here and there to do things, mostly for Sprout, more, more so than the photography business. But everything is good. Right on. Excellent. Well, glad to have you guys uh, both on the show again this week because we're going to have a fun show today. Um, we're going to, there was a, a recent article on uh, that appeared on F-Stoppers um, and uh, the article basically um, sort of told us that, you know, why, it was, it was by Vanessa Joy and she basically um, cited several reasons why she thinks that photographers can't use a mirrorless camera professionally. So we're going to provide the contrary opinion, maybe. Uh, we're going to provide a rebuttal anyway, um, and give us some reasons why maybe you can use a mirrorless camera professionally. But before we get into the show, uh, we want to remind you how you can participate. First off, of course, you can visit the website at thisweekinphoto.com slash weddings. Uh, there you will find the show notes for each episode, which will contain the links to everything we mentioned on the show. Um, and you can also feel free to leave your comments and feedback for us there. If you have a question or a suggestion of a topic you'd like us to discuss in a future episode, you can email us at twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com or just click on the contact us button on the thisweekinphoto.com page, choose weddings, and then send us your message that way. Uh, if you prefer using social media, just add the hashtag TwipWed to your post, and we'll keep an eye out for those. And uh, we're also on Facebook, so head on over to our Facebook group. That's another great place, and that's actually where um, kind of the impetus for this uh, article uh, was, you know, was posted on there, and that sort of spurred this conversation. So I want to thank uh, our listeners who posted about that over on our Facebook group. So let's um, let's jump into it and let's uh, let's start chatting about this. So as I mentioned off the top, there was a, there was an article posted just recently, and we'll link to it in the show notes. It was over on uh, F Stoppers, and it was by Vanessa Joy. We all we all know Vanessa, I think. Brian, you know Vanessa. Robert, you know Vanessa as well. She's a great yep. wedding photographer. Yep. Um, we had her husband Rob on a little while ago talking about wedding videography. Right. Yep. And um, so she she posted a, an interesting article, and I thought it would make for some fun discussion. Um, and uh, basically, she cited s several different reasons why she doesn't feel that she can use a mirrorless camera when she's photographing a wedding. 
So we're going to talk about her points. Were her points valid, or or was the article maybe just a little bit of clickbait for for f stoppers? Um, and I figured since we've got two photographers here, both Brian and Robert, um, who frequently shoot weddings with your Sony and your Fuji mirrorless cameras, we thought let's you know be a good opportunity to chat about this. Maybe provide a little bit of rebuttal to this article, and maybe change people's opinions. And see why you can use a mirrorless camera professionally. So I want to kick it off. Just um, those who maybe don't know what we're talking about, or those who are unfamiliar kind of with the technology, what is a mirrorless camera? What are kind of the differences between a mirrorless camera and sort of a traditional SLR? And because with people maybe don't understand those differences, they might not understand like, what is, what is she talking about? And why you can't, why she thinks you can't use one. So who wants to, who wants to take this one to start? This is the simplest, this is the simplest um, uh, answer probably ever been given. And, And get this. A mirrorless camera is a camera <laughs> without a mirror. I knew I had a feeling you were going to say that. <laughs> but that would have been key. my end. That right, been right? My but it's too. it's so true. And I think the thing is, right? It just just quickly to talk about the whole thing as a whole. Photographers, you look at the Sony, you look at the Fuji, you look at the Panasonic, you look at whatever mirrorless camera you want, and because they're smaller, we make all these assumptions that they're not professional. And literally, literally, the only difference between a mirrorless camera and a DSLR is that there's no mirror in front of the sensor. There's nothing else different about them. Nothing else. Right, so because you don't have there's that no mirror. mirror yeah, you, because there's no mirror, right, you, you, you don't have the pentaprism, you don't have all these things that make DSLRs big. And that's why mirrorless cameras are smaller because they don't need the room for the mirror and for the flap. Simple as that. That's all a mirrorless camera is. Easy, right? Yep. Robert, anything, anything else besides it not having a mirror? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think one of the advantages I think that I most love about my mirrorless is because it doesn't have a mirror, like Brian mentioned, um, it has an electronic viewfinder. So that's a little bit different um, when you're used to looking through a camera. um, So that Again, those of you listening are not familiar. It's kind of like looking through a video camera. You know, you see the live view, you see what's going on. um, But the advantage to that, which I found that and I've really grown to love is Uh, You can change your exposure while looking through the camera and see it change in real time as opposed to, you know, I previously shot a, you know, digital SLR and you'd take a picture, look at the back, especially shooting in manual, make an adjustment, take a picture, look at the back, make an adjustment and so on. And now I can just look at my scene through the camera, adjust my aperture, adjust my uh, uh, shutter speed. And I see it, you know, in my time, you know, I usually have my histogram up too, and I'm looking at that and, okay, great. It's dialed in. It looks just how I want it. And then I can go ahead and shoot or as well. Um, you can take a picture and review it while still looking through the camera and the client doesn't know you're, you know, chimping. We go back to that word, like looking at the back of your camera, like a right. monkey. So it's all um, kind of done through that viewfinder as opposed to the traditional SLR where you're looking at a reflected image through that through that mirror, but you're not actually seeing yeah, your adjustments. Correct. You're just and seeing what's And I think the biggest advantage through. of the electronic viewfinder, I mean, I think those are two, but, uh, you know, oftentimes, of course, we're outside in the bright sun and you take a picture. Well, when you have your eye up to the camera and you're looking at basically in a dark, you know, box and you see the brilliance or non-brilliance of the image, you know, depending on what you need to do, but you don't have to look at the back of the camera in the bright sun and try to figure out what your image looks like. Right. Okay. So those are some of the, that's, you know, that's the main difference. Like you say, there's no mirror in it. So they, so they can be a lot smaller 
Um, they're a lot smaller bodies for the most part. Um, I mean, you can start to clip, you can start putting things on them, attachments and battery grips and, and whatnot to make them a little bit bigger. But generally speaking, the, one of the advantages of mirrorless is that they're quite a bit smaller. So they're a lot more, you know, a lot lighter weight, more compact. Mm-hmm. But so back to kind of the article. Um, and, and one of the, one of the reasons that she cited was this idea of perception, right? That because they're smaller, that they just don't look like a hefty SLR that she doesn't feel that she feels that when she takes something like that, or if she were to take something like that to something like a wedding, particularly she's, you know, she shoots in her uh, case, she shoots at a lot of very, you know, does a lot of luxury weddings, a lot of premium venues. And there's this sort of perception that I guess size matters. So we're here to, to say, well, maybe size doesn't matter. What are you guys' thoughts just on the – let's go back to the whole perception thing, right? Is the client perception of the, you know, the camera. Do you think clients actually care? I, I do not. And you know, so I, I actually made a comment on somebody's post about this. Um, you know, I had to jump in there. And my only comment was – is yeah, I've shot one or two luxury weddings in my lifetime, and the clients don't really seem to care. So I think the bigger issue here, and I've heard this, and I'm not trying to pick on Vanessa or be sexist, but I've heard this argument before from women. Women photographers, uh, I've heard this argument like, you know, they feel like to be respected, they have to have equipment that uh, makes them equal to, or I guess a man, I don't know, but I've heard that argument before this article ever came out. Um, I've heard that from women. And I just completely disagree. I mean, if you're a great photographer, Vanessa's a great photographer. Obviously, she's doing high-end weddings. I don't think uh, her clients are going to say anything. You know, they're trusting you. I was trying to think, like, what a comparison to DSLR and mirrorless. And I don't know if this is accurate, but what's the difference with, you know, like, a gas-powered vehicle today and an electric-powered vehicle today. They both get us from here to there. Mm-hmm. They just sort of operate differently, and there are some benefits to an electric car as far as you know, lower emissions and not using fossil fuels and all those things. But a gas car can go you know, faster and can be more powerful and all those things. Unless I mean, it's a I Tesla. Think, <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it's the same. You know, it's the same thing. It's like there's two, it's two pieces of equipment and. I think you should choose uh, a camera based on, you know, what you like and what you gravitate towards the most. Um, I think there are a lot of advantages. And I've always said when I speak, you know, on stage for Sony and one of the things like, yes, it's our job to tout why Sony mirrorless cameras are better than other cameras. But one of the things that is obvious, which is stated in this article, is the weight. And, And even as a guy, like, I love having a little bit smaller of a lighter camera a smaller camera bag, you know, I travel a lot going through airports. I mean, my camera bag is still heavy, but it's not as heavy as it was. Yep. Um, so I really like, I don't think there's any, you know, if you're confident in your abilities as a photographer, you could be using a camera that's, you know, the size of your iPhone or smaller if it was amazing. And I'm sure as technology goes on, they're going to kind of tend to get smaller, but you know, it's really about the ability as a photographer and what the photographer does with it and not necessarily always about the equipment. Right. So, Brian, you shoot um, with a Fuji system. Yep. Have you ever had a, a guest or a client question your equipment or think less of, of you as a photographer because you had a small camera? <laughs> so so I, think, I think a lot of these things 
um, are kind of cognitive biases that photographers will often have. I think that we think more about these things than our clients do. Right. Honestly, like uh, case in point, totally unrelated to this, but uh, I was the best man in my brother's wedding this past August. And a friend of friend of mine, uh, actually in, a partner in Sprout Studio, Rob Noel, photographed the wedding um, because it, I trust Rob and my brother trusts me, and and you know we had him. So um, I always f- have felt like when I'm shooting a wedding that like I'm so visible to everybody and everyone's watching me because everyone's looking at me at the camera. Mm-hmm. And so I've always kind of felt like you know I got to make sure that I'm this or that I'm that or that you know, whatever. I had certain assumptions about how I come across on a wedding day. And being the best man in a wedding where I had nothing to do with the photography and I, my, you know, my friend Rob Noel was photographing it, especially being that I was a photographer, I thought I'd be more aware of him. Mm-hmm. Most of the day, I had no clue where the heck he was, what he was doing or anything. Like, even during the family photos, I was more worried about my brother and his wife and my kids and my wife and the family and doing all these things. I wasn't like watching the photographer, even yeah. though I am a photographer and, and I of most wedding guests – would be more interested in that, right? So I think right. yeah. I think that we obsess about these things more than the average client will obsess over it. I don't think it really makes a difference. That being said, I have had my mirrorless camera. I've been shooting now for about three years, three and a half years with, with mirrorless. Mm-hmm. And they certainly have spawned conversations at weddings. Um, I can think of many times when I've been photographing cocktails with you know, a little mirrorless camera and I guess it'd be like, just because they're bored and have no one else they're talking to, they're like, oh, what's that you got? Like, what that looks kind of neat. Is that a film camera? Or like, they'll ask questions. It starts a conversation and right, right. it actually allows me to then open up, engage with them, educate them and just have an interesting conversation. And then when I show them some of the images from it, they don't say anything bad or whatever about it they're like oh yeah that's great you know it's they just don't know they're uneducated they're unaware of it so they yeah. find it interesting and so therefore it's a conversation starter i've never had someone be like oh look at that dinky little thing you know like yeah. it's no i think that, that we're so, so that's much the whole, more the whole perception issue is probably <laughs> it's, it's probably something we invent ourselves like it's totally you know, we've totally. invented ourselves it's, yeah. it's it's a cognitive bias and i think the thing is when we start looking at it that way or if we start perceiving it that way we're going to lead ourselves into another psychological sort of phenomenon called confirmation bias, which basically means we're going to start seeing things as if that was the case when that's not really the case. It's just our biases playing into it. So I think that we just sort of make that situation up. We, we almost, I think we make that story up in our head and then we look for things to justify it. And listen, I've been there. I've been there with not mirrorless photography, but with anything where it's like, I don't want to do that because I think this about this thing. And as soon as you actually give it a shot and push those biases aside and say, I'm willing to give it a shot, most of the time, those doubts, those fears, those insecurities, those biases were nothing but biases and there was no basis in reality for them. Yeah. Well, I even, I hear this even, not not even the mirrorless, but I've even heard a lot of particularly newer photographers, maybe they're just starting out and they're just starting to acquire gear and they're like, oh, you know, I'm not a professional yet because I don't have a full frame camera. Or, yeah. you know, or, or I've seen other photographers sort of turn their nose down at other photographers because they showed up at a wedding with a, you know, a, a, a rebel, you know, a basic rebel <clears throat> camera. Now, not saying that, you know, gear is everything. I mean, certainly gear, better gear can certainly help in certain situations. But again, if they're a good photographer and they understand light and they understand composition and they understand how to, you know, pose people and do all of those things, 
you know, you could take somebody, you could take somebody like Robert with, you know, 25 plus years of experience photographing weddings and I could hand him a, a an entry level SLR and he could probably do an amazing job at shooting the wedding. And I could hand a full frame, the best, you know, D5 with all the lenses to somebody just starting out and, and they could still make a, do a crap job of it. Right. So it's the same, right. same argument, even if we're talking, you know, getting outside of the mirrorless to SLR, you could even go SLR to SLR, but you know, you're, yeah. You're, it's it's funny that you said that, Bruce, because I was going to say that you hand me, uh, you know, any consumer, I'll say Canon Rebel because I, I couldn't shoot one because I'd get in trouble. But you give me a Rebel, <laughs> but the only thing I'd want is a 24 to 70 2 8 lens. If you could give me that camera and one lens, I'd shoot the whole wedding and still kill it. Yeah. <laughs> Because, was, but see, because, I, I'd, I'd even, I, I'd, I'd even argue just as, as a point of, of sort of thought there, like a, a lot of photographers, I've seen the same argument about like, oh, like I've got to save up to get that 70 to 200 F2.8. I can't shoot a wedding with it with a 7200 F4. Like that's just not a professional lens. It's like, no, bogus. I totally agree with that because I have a 24 to 70 E mount F4 and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got nothing to do. I think it's like those are just the assumptions that we make up in our head. Like right. we see what some people are shooting with Canon and the Nikon's and, and and frankly any other companies. They do a great job with marketing the professional quality and the the differentiator, the L series for the Canon, and and they're wonderful pieces of equipment. But they're just that. They're just tools. Like I would never walk up to a carpenter and be like, oh, pff, you're using that like. Stanley blah, 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 blah. Like, I can't believe you're using that hammer like that is so small like I would expect you but it's like no it's like as long as the house looks good when you're done building it that's all that, that matters to me yeah I actually look to see if their tools are a little bit worn and beat up because then I know that means they've actually been using them we have to start like making scuff marks on our cameras to make yeah, it look exactly. like they're oh, I have no problems there mine are full of them uh, <laughs> I was going to I was going to say you could hand, you know, any, you know, any camera to anybody, but have you ever felt like a bigger idiot than when a guest hands you their little like oh, yeah, yeah, shoot yeah, and you go to it and you're like, you're all, uh, how the hell do I work this thing? Yeah. Yeah. I've done that too. That's why I'm happy when they just hand me their iPhone. I'm like, yeah, okay, this, no problem. But yeah. they hand me their little, these little point and shoots and I'm like, uh, <laughs> or <laughs> you're hey. looking for the viewfinder to look through. Yeah. And they're looking at you like, uh, aren't you a photographer? And I'm like, <laughs> I want to go back real so. quick to something that Brian said. And I think it's a it's a very it's a very good teaching moment. Um, and then when I'm done saying this, Bruce, you need to say your line that you say at the end of the show. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Here it comes. So Brian said, um, you know, he thinks that you know at first people were always like aware of where he was, but when he was at his friend's wedding or, or cousins or whatever you said, and he had a friend shooting it, and he wasn't unaware. He was unaware of where the photographer was. That's a good photographer. It's when people notice you at a wedding when you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you if you're the star of the show, then yeah, you know that that's you're you're going about it all the wrong way, right? Right. A- another point I want to make about the whole idea of like being seen with your camera, um, and again, this this is coming into well, how 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 do you show up as a photographer? I'm actually of the opinion that. Um, uh, your couples, the wedding party, the guests at the wedding, they should actually be seeing you more than they're seeing your camera anyways. You know, if you're, if you're walking around a ceremony with the camera glued to your face and therefore they're noticing the camera, that means that you're not relating to them as a, as a human being. You're, you're not like making eye contact with people. You're not smiling with people. I think that we as photographers, as wedding photographers, 
should be having the camera by our side for most of the day, connecting with people, talking with people, making eye contact, smiling with people. A smile knows no language. It knows no barrier. It knows no insecurities or fears. If you're at a cocktail and you smile at someone else at the cocktail, they're likely to smile back to you. Throw the camera up, snap, put the camera down, and you're done. You just made a picture, yet 90% of the interaction with that person was without a camera in front of your face. So the fact that I got a big camera in front of my face or a small camera in front of my face has nothing to do with the fact that I just related to another human being as a human being. And I think that we as wedding photographers need to remember that what we do is build relationships. We make connections. We photograph connections. But ultimately, it's all about human-to-human interaction. And if we're doing that with a camera in front of our face where it becomes obvious what that camera is, we're not doing a great job relating as human beings. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys, I, I use the hold fast strap um, system, which are these nice leather um, straps. I actually get more people coming up and asking me about those and comments about the straps that are holding my cameras than anything I've ever gotten, right? It's, a good, it's like you say, it's a conversation starter. What do you guys kind of wear? How do you carry your cameras? Because this might lead to my, my pick of the week. Uh, I use Peak Design straps just because I like how they're easy to take on and off and so if I'm going from video to photography or whatever, I literally just pop that off. I have two or three of them and keep them in my camera bag. And then whatever body I choose to use, I just put it on and I'm good to go. So I like, you know, it's a basically just one camera strap that goes over my shoulder. But I just like the quick ability, if you will. Yep. yep. Brian, what do you uh, carry your cameras with? My hands. Your hands? That's pretty much yep. it. Yeah. I, I take uh, all straps off my cameras. I don't use a strap for my camera. I just have my X-T1 in my hand, and that's literally it. I've got a Think Tank three-lens holder that I have as like a satchel type of thing over my body, and I've got two other lenses in there, so if I need to switch it out, I just switch it off and do it like that. Or if I'm traveling, my again, this is a nice thing, my, my Fuji with any lens that I have will fit right into that lens bag, so I can easily move around or hide it if I need to hide it for whatever reason um, and be quick about it. So for me, I just like to not have straps and all these things on my body. It's just it's my own way that I like to shoot. I just like to have the camera. It's me and my camera in my hands uh, shooting. So that's how I shoot. Cool. So have you both you guys, just back to kind of a little your question. So you're both shooting mirrorless. Are you exclusively shooting mirrorless now, or are you still also packing an SLR with you on the wedding day? Uh, I exclusively shoot mirrorless. Okay. Yep, so you're no no SLRs anymore. You're down to all mirrorless. No. However, when the A99 II comes out, I will. Uh, it's a translucent mirror, so it's in the middle somewhere. <laughs> oh, now we're getting a whole other territory. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm like 90% mirrorless, so I shoot mm-hmm. most of my stuff. Um, the only place that I'm not shooting mirrorless currently is for the reception. Um, because I need a low light autofocus that I've got out of my uh, my Nikon D4S, as well as the okay. off camera flash system that I need for it. So outside of that, I'm mirrorless. However, um, I've only shot a couple weddings now with my the new XT2 um, that I've got, and it in low light is actually phenomenal. So that might change um, in the not so distant future. But that's where I'm at right now. All my portraits, all my engagement sessions, all my boudoir. Uh, all my personal work, like all that stuff is 100% mirrorless. But for a wedding day, I'm about 90% mirrorless. Okay. Because for a long, for quite a while, though, there was sort of, you know, the mirrorless was relatively new technology and they were starting to, you know, they're starting to catch up. What do you think now is the state of the, of mirrorless for wedding photographers? Do you think we're now at a state where there's basically no differences between the abilities of a mirrorless versus an SLR? You mentioned the low light and maybe the flash systems. Is that maybe the one area where it's still... 
some work to do or I don't I think I mean I'm using them 100%. I don't think there's anything I'm missing from uh a digital SLR except the weight. <laughs> okay. So and it's got all the that. lenses now. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Brian, what do you think? Yeah, I I'd say we're we're pretty much on par now. Like especially uh you've got again like, and, and here's the thing, you know, Fuji is crop sensor. Don't even get me into the conversation of crop versus full frame and that argument being not really useful at all anyways but hey if full frame is your thing sony has great full frame uh mirrorless cameras so the argument is not there like literally it's not there noise handling autofocus image quality um all of that stuff is for all intents and purposes on par and and and, and i'd even go as far as to say Sorry, what were you going to say, Robert? I was going to say it goes back to the same point that we made before. It's not not all necessarily the equipment. And, and I'll give you an example even within Sony, like A7R2, A7S2. One's a 42-megapixel camera. One's a 12-megapixel camera. I choose to shoot the 12-megapixel camera at my wedding because I don't want a 42-megapixel file of all my right. files from a wedding. So, right. you know, there you are. We're talking megapixels. But, you know, so a crop sensor, all right, you have a little less – of the sensor area and, you know, whatever, but it's what it looks like when you look through the camera, you know, you're yeah. capturing what you see when you look through the camera. You may, you know, with some of your lenses, it's not quite a 70 or it's, or you get an improvement on a telephoto because instead of a 200, it's a 250 or whatever the math is. But yeah, I don't, I don't have issue with, with that either. Yeah. Yeah. I and how about that, video? Are either of you guys shooting video? Cause I know that's another feature of the mirrorless is, you know, they're, they're quite strong with the video features. Um, yeah. you guys, Delving uh, into the video world with your mirrorless as well. I do a little commercial video work, uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, I used to. I went out yesterday. I'm doing a project for a, a local uh, person here that they're building actually a brand new wedding venue, and I got up at seven yesterday morning and went out and uh, videotaped the the crane or whatever it was, the cat tearing the new, the old place down. You know, oh, they cool. basically breaking ground, so it was really fun and. I shot my A7S2, but then I also shot my RX10 III, both shoot 4K, uh, but I wanted the RX10 to kind of get B-roll type shots. So I'd set up the A7S in like one angle and let it run and, and then rock around and like shoot the, you know, the scoop of the crane hitting the building really close because it has a 600 millimeter lens on it, or up to 600 millimeters. So they both, you know, compose nicely, but, you know, yeah, I like the A7S two uh you know you a lot of video people really like you know praise that camera i mean not only for low light but for video quality yeah brian are you shooting any video stuff these days yeah i don't do video for my clients i kind of came into that space and went out of it pretty quickly i did it for yeah. two years i had uh i had a cinematographer on my team that we did it uh we had all the equipment the sliders the steady cams all that stuff we did it for two years it was nice it was a good little little space to be in um, I just found it wasn't for me. I didn't enjoy it as much. Um, and the back end work on it was a ton of work and just not my powerhouse. Um, so I, we don't do it for clients. However, um, the, the X-T2 that I use uh, now has 4K video. And the autofocus system on it when in video is actually excellent. So we've done some little small promo videos for Sprout, just kind of little talking head things mm -hmm. um, with the X-T2s. And it is like amazing. It blows me away. Like I... The last time I did video was with my Nikon D90s. Um, you're talking six years ago now, right? Um, yeah. My gosh, the technology has improved and the quality has improved. I can't believe it. And um, everything I love about my Fuji's skin tones, color rendering, sharpness, 
um, quality of light, all those things, uh, I am now get, I can enjoy those for when I do video. Um, I've seen a big benefit of that just in doing videos of the kids around the house. I've got my little X-T2 with a 23mm lens on it. It's a super small, compact little camera, and the video on it is phenomenal. We can get great little shots of the kids playing. The kid, We were here in Florida. We were at the beach the other day, videos of the kids on the beach, and it's great quality video in this small little package, and it's like a no-brainer. You turn on video mode. You can see exactly what you're shooting. You dial the wheel one way to go brighter, the other way to go darker. It autofocuses continuously, and it's great autofocus. So I think it's really come a long way. I think, and and maybe I'm wrong, I think a lot of cinematographers have gone the direction of mirrorless um, mm-hmm. for a lot of their video work, uh, both in Sony, and I've seen a lot of people switching over to the X-T2s now as well because the X-T2 image quality is just phenomenal out of the camera. Yeah, I'm starting to see that as well, and they're starting yeah. to uh, embrace the mirrorless world as well. So, I mean, videographers are doing it as well. They're showing up. I don't yep. think people are judging them what they're, you know, what they're shooting with at all, right? So, mm-hmm. um, Well, and with a digital SLR camera, again, going back to the benefits of the electronic viewfinder, in a DLSLR, as soon as you start video, you can't now look through the eyepiece and see what's going on, mm-hmm. nor does it show up on the back of your camera. Because why? Because the mirrors popped up to allow the image to hit the sensor, and now you can't see the, through the camera. But with a mirrorless camera, it's live view all the time. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of advantages. I'm, you know, I'm starting to, you know, although I just bought the 5D Mark IV, so I'm probably entrenched in my old <laughs> my old ways for a little while now. But um, I'm definitely starting to look at the mirrorless systems and, and you know, eventually I'm just going to have to make the move and slowly kind of decide which, which route that I'm going. So you guys can battle. You can, you know, Fuji, Sony, you guys can like try to win me over. Talk to talk to Fuji or Sony if they if they want to send me any gear, I'd happily adopt uh, either, either system. Um, <laughs> but um, how's the battery life? The thing that's that's big about me, I, I think maybe this is something that um, that I, we touched on. I think we should go into a little bit deeper, perhaps. And Robert, love to hear your opinion on this. Um, shooting mirrorless has actually made me a better photographer, and, and I know that's like a sort of really broad, really dramatic statement, mm-hmm. but. Being able to see the image as I'm making it in the camera, like Robert mentioned earlier, with a white balance, exposure, seeing light, seeing shadows, seeing contrast as I'm shooting. And that's the only can get that with mirrorless. You can't get that with DSLR because you're actually looking. It's like you're literally looking at the image you're about to make the moment before you make it. So mm-hmm. if you need to go brighter, if you need to go darker, if you need to warm it up or cool it down or change contrast or whatever, you can do it and you can see the effect of that and then capture the image. So it's actually made me get the image right in the camera more often than it, than I used to get it in the camera where I'd have to take a test shot and then chimp and then make adjustments or take a test shot and then adjust in Lightroom later. I yeah, don't have to do anything to my photos anymore. I, I shoot raw JPEG and just deliver the JPEGs because they're yeah. all good out of the camera. Yeah, we talked about this like a couple episodes ago when we talked about finding inspiration and and we talked about that you and I uh, yeah, it was just right. you and I on that show and we talked right. about how the switch to mirrorless actually sort of you found new inspiration from shooting mirrorless yeah, which is really interesting totally. so if you want I think if you want to listen to that conversation we went in quite in depth on on how yeah. that transition was for you and then I think you you and I Robert had a conversation about sort of why you switched from you know from shooting Canon and SLRs over to the Sony so if people want to go go back and have a listen to those episodes I think those are good as well and they give some really good a lot of the pros and, and advantages as to why you switched over um, yeah. systems so for both you guys and then we'll we'll move on to uh, our next segment uh, if you were both starting out today and you had no gear no investment in gear I'm, I'm sure I know the answer already but where would you, would you start jump right in mirrorless 
to I, a new new wedding photographer they're just starting out would you would you recommend the kit be go mirrorless and well save yourself i mean i say yes and... but i think <laughs> common sense would be like a new photographer starting like all they're being marketed to is is mirrorless and mirrorless you know i mean yes there's the other ones out there but i think uh there's you know just many reasons like it's in their face so that it'd be a natural gravitation towards it i think yeah and they're generally less for the most part they're generally less expensive the lenses yeah. are a little bit less expensive right so overall the cost but then the big thing is just the weight is is a big factor right you're not lugging around so much weight on a wedding day which yeah. after several years of shooting weddings my body's starting to feel that weight um you know, and some of the benefits you guys mentioned, like the op, you know, the EVF and being able to see stuff as you're shooting, um, right. some big advantages. Any other final closing thoughts before we? Brian, if you don't have one, I just have one little anecdotal story. Do you have something to say on Bruce's question? Yeah, uh, no, I did. I have a closing thought, but but go, go okay. on. I want to hear a story. So quickly, I just want to give a little anecdotal story again, uh, going back to perception, and we started kind of off with that, um, you know, and. And, and uh, Vanessa feeling like she's not professional enough. I just like to give an example of that. Um, so we've talked about this on the show, but for three years now, uh, I shoot Google Zeitgeist, which again, Zeitgeist is the top minds in the world, the top CEOs in the world. Uh, all the Google executives are there, the guests that they, I mean, they've had presidents and are amazing. So when I'm shooting the um speeches in the room. It's zeitgeist, again, just a quick analogy is sort of like uh, uh, TED Talks, but for Google, a little bit like that, but I think a little better. And uh, so the very first year that I did it, I'm in the room and I'm shooting an A6000, $500 camera uh, with a 70 to 200 F4 lens, email, you know, or mirrorless, because it's quiet and that was a concern of theirs, but because for not eight hours, but for six hours of, of shooting these talks, I don't want to be holding a heavy camera. And I have to say um, that, especially that first year, but it's happened to me the last couple years. The first year, I want to say four different people, five different people that were sitting in that audience came up to me during breaks and said, what is that camera? And they were super excited. And I tell them and they're like, it's so quiet. And like, wow, that's amazing. And, you know, I'm going to go get one. I mean, I heard that like four times, at least the first year, a couple people the last two years. And, you know, this, this year I shot it with a 6,300 on silent shutter. So I wasn't making any noise and, mm -hmm. you know, like pe people commented on it, but again, here you have like some of the top CEOs in the world, the top, you know, some of the wealthiest people, I don't even want to know what the net worth is worth in that room of 200 people that sit there and watch that talk, but it's a luxury consumer, whether you're at an event or whatever, and they really loved it and embraced it. So I think, you know, that mindset is be confident in who you are as a photographer and use the equipment that you choose to use mirrorless or not, and go out and just, you know, do your thing. Excellent. Next time you can shoot it with the Google pixel phone, right? <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you had a final kind of thought. Um, I did. Is and it escaped? Escaped, it's escaped me now. Because I mesmerized um, him. You, you did. did. Yeah, <laughs> talking about Google. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, uh, yeah. Okay, so here's, here's where I think this uh, move is going gonna, is gonna to bring us. I think that for a while when mirrorless was new, it was all the talk, just like how Fusion was the talk when Fusion was new. Um, 
is it like taking over the industry? I don't think it's taking over the industry. But what I think it's going to start to do, if it hasn't already, is it once again lowers the barrier to the technical side of photography. Because with a mirrorless camera, anyone can look through that viewfinder and see that the image is exposed properly or not. They can look through it and see whether the white balance is correct or not. They can look through it and see if the tone looks good or not. Like They can get the technical side of photography more accurate more of the time. Yeah, because that feedback loop, because it was yeah. a big jump when you went from film to digital, that right. feedback loop. Right. It changed immensely because you yeah. saw it right away on the back. Now yeah. what you're saying is that feed, feedback loop has like halved again yeah. because now it's, you see it's it. It's moved up basically. It's moved up from like right instead of looking eye. at it after capture and you can help look at it before capture. And I think right. that it's actually a really good thing because I think now that the technical implementation of photography is made easier, it's only going to make the – knowledge and the know-how and the concepts behind it even more relevant. Things like posing or lighting or composition or mood or moment or anything like that. I think it's going to make those kinds of things stand out. Another case in point, the iPhone 7 that you can now take blurry background. You can take professional photographs with the mm -hmm. iPhone 7. Yeah, that, no, th that doesn't mean professional. It means that you can take a photo with freaking bokeh. That's yeah. all that means. <laughs> yeah. So just because you can take a photo with bokeh, that means that the look of bokeh will now become the norm. That's great. That's wonderful because bokeh does not equal moment. Bokeh does not equal exposure. Bokeh does not equal mood or impact or emotion or anything else that we as professional photographers spend our lives focusing on. So I think that the technical benefit or the technical uh, luxury that people see in a professional image being good exposure, good white balance, good bokeh, so on and so forth, that's going to become the norm. And that's fine. I love that because now those photographers that stand out will have to focus on what photography is really about, which is composition, which is moment, which is so on and so forth. I think that that is what mirrorless is going to do uh, to our industry. It's going to make the actual photographic knowledge stand out more than the technical implementation of that knowledge. I agree. Very cool. I, I like Brian's passion. I heard a little bit of Dr. Evil come out in that. Frickin' Boca. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's frickin' Boca, okay? Put the lasers on the camera. Boca. Uh, I did use a little, like, quote thing. He did use oh, air quotes, goodness. yes. Yeah. For those watching the video, yes, he did yeah. use air quotes. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I think that was uh, that was interesting conversation, interesting interesting discussion, and and uh, you know, like Robert said, I think at the end of the day, you know, gear is gear, and you just got to find the tools that are right for you. You know, there's a lot of things to consider when you're looking at systems. There's ergonomics. There's just the you know the feel of it in your in your hands. There's a lot of things that go into deciding, but don't yeah. don't get inside your own head and start to think. I think that you know the clients care what you're shooting they they don't yeah. care what you're shooting they don't they don't pay attention to what they're they're lucky if they notice that you showed up wearing pants i mean right, <laughs> like right. they don't care right so don't get too hung up on this whole whole mirrorless versus slr it's you know it's i, I think it's kind of silly um shoot what you shoot what you love shoot what you want um as long as you're creating great images it doesn't it doesn't matter exactly unless maybe if you're showing up with like a potato camera I don't know if you saw that that guy made a camera out of a potato. Did you guys see no, that I, at all? I didn't see that. No. Yeah, this guy he made a pinhole camera out of a potato. 
Oh my gosh, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> so maybe don't show up with a potato at a wedding. Right, right. Maybe people might give you a little sideways look if you're shooting their wedding with a potato. But but uh, but otherwise, anything else, you're probably good to go. So Could you stand there for a minute while I take an exposure? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, before we move on and uh, uh, ask or answer a listener question, uh, we want to thank our sponsor for this episode, and that is FreshBooks. So this episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. Uh, FreshBooks uh, has an all-new version of their cloud accounting software, and uh, they've redesigned it basically from the ground up, and they've custom-built it to transform how freelancers, like wedding photographers, uh, and other small business owners uh, deal with their day-to-day kind of paperwork, sort of the mundane part of our jobs that nobody likes to do, but um, it's a necessary part of, of you know, running a business. So if you want to get started on FreshBooks, it's really easy. Uh, even if you're not a numbers person, which a lot of photographers aren't, exception maybe being Brian, um, you know, especially if you're not a numbers person, FreshBooks is a great solution for you. Um, they've created a, a super intuitive tool that makes it really easy to create and send professional looking invoices. Um, it's basically if you, you know, a lot of photographers, if they don't have a system, they're probably using something like Word or Excel to do their, um, set up their invoices. And basically FreshBooks has kind of replicated that functionality. So it's just like typing in Word. Um, there's no formatting, there's no formulas, just, you know, just really simple, create clean, professional looking invoices. You can add your own logo and color scheme so that, it, uh, your invoices reflect your brand. And then when you send out an invoice, FreshBooks can now show you if your client has seen it. You can also set up online payments with just a couple of clicks and get paid up to four days faster. Uh, Their super handy deposit feature allows you to invoice for payment upfront when you're kicking off a project or taking a retainer from a client for, say, a wedding, for example. And your clients will appreciate being able to pay by credit card straight from their invoice. FreshBooks has also revealed some other uh, features to help you get organized and streamline the business side of things. Uh, They've got a new totally redesigned dashboard, and it's been curated to kind of answer the most important question, how is my business doing? So that when you log in, you can know at a glance what is owed, what's overdue, and whether you're in the red. Uh, The notification center works as your personal assistant, telling you what's changed in your business since your last login, and what should be dealt with with things like overdue invoices. Uh, You can also automate payment email reminders. You can spend less time chasing your clients. You can also take pictures of receipts on your phone using their iOS app. And then you can also do time tracking. I just used this feature a little while ago. I was helping a friend uh, with her uh, website project, uh, doing some stuff with her in WordPress. She needed some help, so I was helping her with that. And I actually used their time tracking feature, which is really cool. So it's basically, a, you, can, you can set up a project and then start a little timer. And then as you're doing the work, you can you know hit the timer. And then when you're done that particular uh, task, you can stop the timer and it'll log those hours. And then, and then at the end, you can uh, generate a report and produce an invoice from that, which is really cool. So I started to use that. So get ready for the simplest way to be more productive and organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. So for our audience, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free, free trial. Uh, to claim it, just go to freshbooks.com weddings and enter weddings in the how did you hear about us section to start your 30-day free trial today. We thank FreshBooks for their support of TWIP Weddings. All right, let's move on to our next segment, and uh, each week we will answer a listener question, and this week we've got a question from Akbar Saeed. He asked a question on our Facebook group. Uh, He's looking into getting a softbox or a beauty dish to be used with strobes. Uh, He's leaning towards this uh, Westcott 32-inch duo with the grid and deflector plate. Uh, He wants something that'll be portable and not a cluster to set up. 
Um, he's not certain if he likes the beauty dish or the softbox. Um, so he's sort of looking for our opinions on, you know, the beauty dish versus softbox. And he's also wondering sort of if two speed lights would be enough power in a softbox or if we would skip speed lights and go straight to a, a more powerful strobe setup. So he's kind of, I guess, just got a multi-part question here, but just sort of in general, I guess, softbox versus beauty dish. And, you know, he, now he didn't really say what he was shooting. I'm assuming weddings, since he's listening to our show and posting in our group, I'm assuming he's shooting weddings. Um, what would your guys' thoughts be on either of these? Yes. Yes? Okay. <laughs> yes to both. And I think, well, I, I think it's like anything. It's almost like it's the same as the conversation that we just had about mirrorless. It's like... They're all tools. They'll all get the job done. It just you've got to figure out what makes sense for you and for what you're doing. Um, for me, as a wedding photographer, I don't want to be bringing around big things at all. So when I do off-camera flash, I'm more than likely just using the flash itself and either uh, bouncing it off of a wall or being far enough away and just using direct flash. Um, I do have mm-hmm. the Westcott collapsible softbox that are made for the, the hot shoe flash. That I'll sometimes bring out if I want a bit of a softer light. Um, I think it's maybe a 32-inch, whatever the size their, their main one is. Um, but again, it all comes down to what are you shooting? What look are you going for? What's your style? Do you have someone that can carry this around with you? Do you have the time to set it up? Are you educating your clients on what that process is like? Because setting up a studio-esque environment um, is, is maybe not what your clients are expecting. I've actually heard of that from clients, uh, not my clients, but from other uh, photographers that you know the clients were expecting this sort of fly-in-the-wall thing based on the work they saw on the photographer's website. And the photographer shows up and they got all these things they're setting up. And the client's like, I felt like I was in a in a dentist's office with all these lights around me. And it's like, well, yeah. So I I guess it just depends. That's where I say yes. It's like, it just depends on what you're doing, what you're shooting and what you want to, what you want to be carrying around with you on a wedding day. Yep. Robert, any advice for Akbar? I'd like to give the simple Canadian answer. Okay. Beauty, eh? Beauty, eh? Oh, you'd go beauty dish. Okay. Why? No, I really wouldn't. But, you know, I had to get the comedy in there because it just wouldn't be fun. I agree uh, with um, Brian. I think uh, I do carry lights with me at a wedding. I do have an external. I use white lightning or or pulsy bluff lights, but I have one light and an umbrella. Um, I do have a small folding softbox, but I don't hardly ever use it. Um, If I were going to use flash to light uh, at a wedding, you know, I have it and just in case of bad weather or things like that, uh, you know, I just throw up my, my, uh, light and an umbrella and I use that on the wedding day, but I do like the argument and I've actually been leaning more towards, uh, getting something like that where I have a, a couple extra, you know, uh, just on camera flashes and, and using those and trying to experiment with that. I've sort of been waiting and I think Sony just put out a a sender and receiver that now works with, uh, their cameras on their hot shoes. So I'm interested in getting that and playing with that. But I think the simple answer is the simpler, the better, you know, keep it small, keep it simple. Don't make it too complicated. You know, something you can set up quick, use quick, put away quick and get the result that you want. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I've got a closet full of flash accessories and things, modifiers and different things that I've bought over the years, thinking mm-hmm. at some point in time it was a good idea that I should buy these. And yep. about the only time they come out of that closet now is when I teach my off-camera flash course, just to give <laughs> students an exposure to like, here's all the different things you can buy. Ultimately, you, on the wedding day, use. what do I end up using? 
Yeah, that I never use. Yeah. Ultimately, on the wedding day, we end up going, keeping it as simple as we possibly can. Because again, I was, I used to bring a lot of this stuff and just, it was too much to set it up and it was just no time for it. So now it's keep it simple. Uh, if I shoot through anything, it's usually just a, I've got a simple uh, Westcott shoot through umbrella paired with, uh, with our Godox um, bare bulb flashes. And that's what we pull out with this. So sometimes I'm using it as just a helper light, as a bit of a fill if we're shooting outdoors. Um, and I feel we just need that little bit of extra light to make things a bit more interesting or make things pop. Um, or at a reception, I'm usually bouncing, you know, bouncing it off walls or, you know, off ceilings or, uh, you know, I'll, I will modify them and put umbrellas. But again, just we try to keep it simple and keep it light and make it quick to set up and tear down. And we don't want to mess with too much, uh, too much stuff. So hopefully, I don't know if we helped Akbar in that. We've maybe just talked him out of buying some stuff. I'm not sure, but <laughs> hopefully that that helps. We saved him money. We saved him money, exactly. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we want to hear from you and answer your questions. So just head on over to thisweekinphoto.com and leave your questions and comments on the blog post. Or you can also submit your questions just by click the, clicking the Contact Us button and choose Twip Weddings from the drop-down box. All right, let's uh, let's close off the show then with our last segment, which is our picks of the week. And each episode, we're going to share a photography-related item that we think would be a benefit to wedding photographers. Now, picks can be anything as long as we can somehow tie it to photography. So, what have you guys got for us today, Brian? Do you want to? Do you want to oh, start? Yeah. So my pick, I have two picks of the week. I'm totally cheating because I thought I wanted the last minute. Uh, pick number one. I don't think I've done this one yet so i'm super stoked about this but the fuji xt2 um i've now been using it for probably a month now mm -hmm. uh and my gosh i love this camera it is so it is it's everything the xt1 should have been <laughs> so the autofocus is significantly better on it the tilting screen i'm just loving i i was shooting with the x pro 2 for about a year um and i went from the xt1 to the x pro 2 and i didn't think i would miss the articulating screen as much as i did and then okay. as soon as I got the X-T2 back and I had the screen, I was just like, oh, yes, I missed having this. So uh, definitely loving that camera. It's a wonderful camera. And, uh, yeah, definitely love it. So that and um, the Black Widow, um, the Spider Black Widow holster. Okay. That's, that's this, I, the thing you were talking about. Yeah. Well, no. So so that's like I usually have that on my belt. So if I just want to like quickly get the camera out of my hand, yep. um, there's like just like a little nub that you attach to the, to the, the hole in the bottom of the camera yep. and you just kind of like, like literally like rest it into the little black spider holster. So it's super low profile. It's compact. It's, uh, it's It doesn't get in the way. Um, but it's a great way just to kind of stow the camera away if you need to kind of use your hands for something really quickly. So often when I'm photographing, you know, the bride's dress or something like that, if I need two hands to kind of get there and do that, I'll just like lock it into my belt, make the adjustments and then unlock it and keep shooting. So it's great just for kind of quickly stowing away a small camera, which nice that you could, you, you wouldn't use that with an SLR, <laughs> but you can right. with a mirrorless camera with a small, small lens on it. Very cool. Well, I, can I can I do my pick then? Because my picks yeah, are related to your pick, and then we'll do get to Robert's pick. So yeah. uh, the kind folks actually over at Spiderlight have a brand new product, uh, oh. and it's a, they have a Kickstarter project going for it, and they actually cool. sent me one. So if you're looking on the video, I have it oh. here, and it's their Spider Light holster, and this is designed specifically for your mirrorless your mirrorless oh, cameras. Look at that. And you clip this piece, goes on your belt, and then you attach this to the bottom of your mirrorless. It's very light and tiny, and then it just clicks in, and then there's a little release plate, and very easy to, to slide on and slide off. So they've just uh, launched this as a Kickstarter project, 
and oh, I happen wait. to have one in my click it and unclick it again higher because it was it was you did it underneath your uh, oh did I under my yeah, lower so right there right there, there, right, there. right there there it is okay so click it in there it is and it'll it will just hang off of your belt like that and then there's just a little release switch so it can click in you can lock it in place so that it so can't come out what's the difference between this and their Black Widow because like that is exactly the black widow except the black widow just has a little nub that goes into it's the thing smaller. as close to the whole plate it's not it can't be Ryan, smaller it's, it's like a mirrorless camera it's smaller it's smaller so no, it's lighter the, weight no yep. but the black widow is the same as the one that you have in your left hand hmm i'm it's not like, entirely it's, sure on the on, that, because I, i'm then, not familiar with the widow so that uh, i'm not sure but this one has purposely been built for mirrorless uh, mirrorless cameras I don't know the exact difference. I'd have to look on their site to see the difference. Just interesting. Go and take a look at their site, and then you'll, yeah, maybe you'll no, know because you know the other one. Awesome. So, yeah. So they just sent that to me, um, but it's out as a little Kickstarter project. So I thought that's kind of cool. They call it the Spider Light Holster, and then they also have a whole system, another clip you can put on a backpack to carry. So if you just want to clip it on, put it on a backpack, Very and then they cool. also have like a, another um, holster that you can put it into. It's part of a whole system. So that's a fairly new, uh, a new addition to their lineup targeting the, specifically the mirrorless um, cameras. So, I, I would like to concur. I have the same holster that Brian does. I don't use it enough. So when he started talking about it, I was like, yeah, I should use that thing more. Because it is really <laughs> nice to just be able to like put, just put it on your – it's so simple. Just put the camera right there. Because I do often shoot without a strap. Sometimes, I mean, I have them on. Sometimes I don't. But um, like I'm the same thing. I don't like the strap flopping around. But I do like to be able to put it over my shoulder. So – that I, I, you know, I do have that. And I was like, these are really nice. Yeah. And then I actually have a second pick. It's also a Kickstarter project. I don't know if you guys have seen this yet, but it looks pretty cool. Um, I was just alerted to it by some photographer friends the other day. It's a, it's a, it's a product called Gear Eye. And what it is, is it's a series, it's a little hardware device that uh, compared with these little RFID stickers, you can put these RFID stickers on your, on your gear. So your lenses, oh, yes. your cameras, everything. I've seen that. And then the little the little hardware device actually pairs with your eye with your phone and t- keeps track of what's in your bag and what's not in your bag. So you can very quickly glance at your phone and see, okay, what is all in my bag and what's missing from my bag based on the RFID tags hmm. attached to your equipment. And then you can use it to locate missing gear. So if you're a person that um, is prone to losing gear <laughs> or leaving gear laying around, um, you can uh, you can use this. So I, I haven't had a chance to, to dig into it too, too deep. I just sort of briefly looked at their Kickstarter project. It looks really cool. Um, and you can get these, um, basically these RFID tags that go, they have large pieces that can go on bags and things, and then they have small pieces, and then they have special tags that can go on your like cameras and lenses and stuff, and it has an RFID in it. Um, no batteries, and uh, then this little device will keep track and sort of do like a head count of your gear. So nice. kind of a neat system. So if you want to check that out on Kickstarter, it's kind of, I thought it was kind of neat. So Because, you know, the small equipment, if you're shooting mirrorless, probably, you know, less more likely to lose it because it's so small, right? Exactly. <laughs> Oops, what's this in my pocket? Oh, it's just another mirrorless camera that yeah, I forgot about. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> it's not that cookie crumb. It's my mirrorless yeah, camera. Yeah. <laughs> it fell in the in the in the couch cushion. You start yeah. pulling out the couch cushions, and what do you find? Yeah. Oh, look at that! There's just f- Fuji and Sony cameras all hanging out. <laughs> all right, Mr. Evans, what do you have for us this week? Well, my pick of the week. I've probably said this before, but I again, first of all, everyone, it's free. 
Free. Ooh, we free like free. pick of the week. It's really just a resource. But uh, alphauniverse.com, which, of course, is Sony's site. But I, I was just looking at it this morning prior to the show coming on. And there's so many, like, great articles on there. Um, and the one in particular that, that just sort of inspired me to make this my pick this week uh, is a time-lapse article on how to shoot good time-lapse. And it's from the guy that does all the time-lapse for House of Cards. Ooh. So anybody who ever seen House of Cards, it has amazing time-lapse time of Washington, D.C., um, at the beginning of the show, they're really cool. And, uh, my wife and I actually recently started watching this We're only like season one, like seven, eight episodes in. And I, you know, of course I'm like, you know, I make her do that. I'm like, let's watch the time-lapse, you know, like she doesn't fast forward through the beginning. Cause I want to watch <laughs> the time-lapses. So to see, you know, for me, I was kind of excited. I was like, Oh, that's the guy that does them, you know, and I, he shoots Sony. So of course that's why he's on alpha universe, but regardless of what you shoot again, there, it's just really helpful. Like it was a great article on, you know, how to shoot good time-lapse. So there's a ton of information on there and articles on, you know, things like that too. Yes, it's pro Sony, but uh, there's a lot of other information regardless of what you shoot. You know, you're a Canon shooter and you want to shoot a good time lapse, go read it. Yeah, very cool. That looks neat. I haven't watched House of Cards yet, but I've heard it's good. So Yeah. Excellent. Very good. Well, all great picks. We've got a mixture there of some free stuff and some some less than free stuff or more than free stuff, I guess, but... <laughs> Hopefully somewhat tied a little bit to mirrorless. Sometimes we stretch it a little bit, but that's all right. <laughs> right on. Well, that brings us sadly to the end of another episode of Twip Weddings. We want to thank our sponsor, FreshBooks, for their support and remind our audience, send in your questions and comments for the show and, uh, you know, sh share your thoughts with us. Are we, are we talking about the right things or topics you want us to talk about? Uh, let us know. So before we close off and bid adieu, what's uh, what's everybody up to and where can our audience go to keep up with you? Brian. Well, if you want to come join me by the pool this afternoon, you're welcome to uh, come on down to Newport Ritchie in Florida. Perfect. I'll be there. <laughs> Find me there. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, end of wedding season as far as uh, the photography business is concerned. So just getting ready for, uh, well, we wrapped up all the fall sessions as well. So that's all closed up now that we're here on vacation. Um, everything at Sprout is going great. So everyone knows about Sprout Studio. Uh, we've talked about that here many times. So if you want to find anything to do with um, the education that I put out there to the world, to the community about the business of photography, you can find us over at SproutingPhotographer.com uh, or find us on social media at Get Sprout Studio. Find out more about Sprout Studio at GetSproutStudio.com or if you want to check out some of my work, including some of my mirrorless photography work, um, bcapphoto.com. I've also written a few articles. If you go over to spreadingphotographer.com, I've written a few articles about mirrorless, why I switched, what it's like to switch, um, what place that might hold in the industry moving forward. I've written quite a few about them. And uh, if anyone okay. found this conversation interesting, um, head on over there to spreadingphotographer.com and just search for the word Fuji and you'll find the articles and uh, you can dive into those. Very cool. Excellent. <clears throat> Mr. Evans, what uh, what have you got going on and where can people find you? Well, I think the moniker for this show should be Be Fearless, Shoot Mirrorless. Hey, I like it. That's that's what we need. I be like Fearless, it. Shoot Mirrorless. Make t-shirts, like spread the word. <laughs> um, if you want to look at my work uh, or anything about me, it's pretty much my name, Robert Evans. RobertEvans.com is my website. Twitter and Instagram are at Robert Evans. Uh, if you add me on Instagram and you're a Twip listener, tell me. I've had a few people like, "Hey, I listen to the show. I love it. I love to get those uh, little comments or you know on the pictures or whatever." And uh, I'll follow you back. Um, and Facebook is Robert Evans Studios, and that's about all I do. I don't Snapchat. I don't. 
do any of the other forms of social media. That's I right. like the I like the picture forms of social media. Nothing. I guess Snapshots is, but I mean not Snapshots, Snapchat. Yeah. I don't know. Snapchat I think Snapchat is a whole different thing. Yeah. I think the Snapchat, the bloom is off the rose with Snapchat. I don't know. I was on it for a little while and it seemed like everybody was on it for a little while. And it was kind of like Pokemon Go. Everybody was kind of on it for a little while. And then it seemed like everybody's, it's gotten a lot quieter on there recently. I've noticed. I think we're just too old for Snapchat. It's getting old. Yeah. Well, and, and Instagram stories came along and that sort of, a lot of people, they were already at, on Instagram. So they just yeah. sort of gravitated back to Instagram and started using stories more. At least, at least a lot of the people that I follow anyway. So. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Well, if you are, uh, if you're looking, maybe, uh, you know, the title of the show could be size, size doesn't matter. <laughs> Talk about size doesn't bait. matter. Yeah. Be fearless. Shoot mirrorless. Yep. I like it. So if you're, uh, if you're looking for me, uh, you can find me over on uh, my website at momentsindigital.com. Um, like Brian, it's kind of uh, winding down a little bit, although we do still have a few weddings to go this year. I think I have five to go between now and the end of the year. So we're still got a few, few to go, uh, but we're getting there. And I've moved into the fall season when I start to do uh, my teaching. So I'm teaching at the local photography school here. So I've got my courses coming up there. Um, if you want to join me on a photography adventure, I'm actually leading uh, Darlene Hildebrandt's next uh, photography workshop in Drumheller in the spring. So if you want to come to the Badlands of Alberta, where all the dinosaurs used to roam, um, we're, uh, we're doing a weekend workshop there and we'll be doing kind of some landscape photography. We're going to be doing some portrait photography. We're going to play with some, uh, some night photography, do some light painting, sort of all kinds of cool different stuff that's a little outside of my normal uh, wedding stuff. So I'm going to be leading that course for Darlene. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So if you want to join me on that, I'll put a link to that workshop if you feel like coming up to Alberta. And if you're looking for me on the social networks, you'll find me at Bruce Clark with an E at the end of Clark. And that's it. That brings us to the end of another show. Be sure to visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com for our show and all the other great shows on the TWIP network. And we want to thank you again for listening to TWIP Weddings, raising the bar one wedding at a time. <laughs>